Hey, and welcome to the Weather Channel. I, Allie, personally know that when you're at rock bottom, it can feel like God is an emotionally abusive boyfriend. This podcast exists to disprove the theory that joy and goodness are only found in perfect circumstances. Here, you will hear real stories from people who, when faced with heart-wrenching circumstances, chose joy, whether or not it made sense. Friends, each and every time someone shares their story on this podcast, it brings healing to themselves and to many of you. God is doing a beautiful work in and through this ministry. These are real life stories that inspire people to keep learning and teaching and leaning into the power of God. And we want to continue to do that with your help. The pain in this world is great, but God is greater. We have heard and seen that firsthand here in this community. I've seen him bring so much healing and redemption to the people who share their stories on this podcast and those who listen to this podcast. And I really do believe that God is using this ministry to draw men and women to himself. And I want to invite you to be a part of that by partnering with us through a financial gift. If you've been impacted by this ministry over the past three years, would you partner with us by giving a gift of praise to the Lord for what he has done and help provide for us to be able to continue in the vision he's called us to? You can make a secure donation at AllieChristian.com slash podcast. And friends, let me just say, no matter how big or small your gift, we are so grateful. Thank you so much for considering partnering with us. Hey, Mindy, good morning. Thank you for being here. Good morning. Hey, so it is so good to have you here. I am really excited to be able to honor your story and um, your husband's story and the the story that the Lord has written for your family. So thank you for coming on today. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Good. Mindy, would you share a little bit about yourself with my audience? Yeah. Okay. So my name is Mindy. I live in Utah. Um, born and raised, been here my whole life. And um, my husband, Corey, and I met while we were um, living in Logan, attending Utah State University. We worked together at a local thrift store um, and I interviewed him for the job. That was the very first time that we met. Um, So that was in 2006 that we got married. So um, we have four kids. boy, girl, girl, boy, 13 down to three, probably the the biggest, you know, thing, I guess that has sort of happened in our lives is my husband, Corey died a little over three years ago. Um, And uh, that of course rocked my world. um, Our whole family's world. I was pregnant with our youngest when he died. um, And uh, it was super unexpected. He Um, his heart stopped while he was swimming. So he drowned. We were just swimming at our local uh, rec center on a Saturday afternoon, um, just expecting to go swimming as a family and then go to Costco and then go out to dinner and come home. That was our plans for the day. And that is definitely not what happened. Our world has been filled with uh, confusion and disbelief and, um, It's a space that I still visit, but I choose to not stay there for very long anymore. I have found um, that there's no healing or peace in that mind frame. And just for my own sanity, I can't stay there. 
um, there's enough to do in just taking care of my family uh, that we kind of have had to just choose a healing path, choose a, a road that we want to be on to try to still honor ourselves and, um, and be content with, you know, the journey that we're on now. Yeah. I so appreciate you coming on and, and giving us a glimpse of what that has looked like. I can only imagine what um, life has looked like for you over the past couple of years, but would you share with us what you have done to help yourself heal a little bit, even if it has looked messy? There's a foundation that was already there, which I think the Lord had a hand in now as I look back, but there was a foundation already there. Um, my husband was a marriage and family therapist. He specialized in sexual addiction recovery, and he did a lot of really hard things with um, some really hard stories. And, um, you know, over the years of, of him being in this therapy practice, what he learns, you can't help but have it like leak into your own life and in your own relationships and your own family. And so there were um, a lot of really good sort of foundations that were just already in place, things about um, open communication between our kids and I, even when they're just young, we talked about really difficult things early on and had, you know, difficult conversations and hard life things and, you know, whatever. And um, I think that foundation was really helpful. We also have a foundation in Jesus Christ. Um, my husband was also a chaplain in the Utah Army National Guard. And um, so in his effort of helping soldiers turn to God, that was also contributing to our foundation. So I can't really mention our healing without first mentioning where we were because that foundation was there. I mean, it got, it got rocked, right? It was really got put to the test. Um, but him being a therapist really opened our eyes to the value of therapy and the need for it, um, as well as having a support system, which, which can be necessary. And I'm grateful for uh, the friends and family who have been around for us. Clear, you know, right at the very beginning, a, a lot of people come out and want to help you at the like very beginning of a tragedy. Um, those helpers do fade off though. And so the few that have stuck around are just priceless to us. Um, but we've done, you know, the trauma therapy and uh, grief groups and different things like that. So that has been needed for our healing. Um, we've also chosen as a, chosen as a family to face things that are hard. Um, the, our local pool where Corey died is the pool where my kids have swimming lessons. And so for um, a couple of years, we didn't go. Granted, there was COVID in the middle and that wasn't really available as well. 
but um, for a while, of course, I just vowed that we would never go back to that building again, you know, right? Because how could I, how could we go swim in that same pool as I could, as I knew and I could picture all the things that happened that day, you know? Um, but through choosing to face hard things and choosing to face them together and with the support of our faith and our therapists all on our side, um, we're able to go back to that rec center. There's all kinds of things that are, it's a, it's a big kind of community gathering place in our city. And um, we have swimming lessons there and I exercise there now. And um, I'm able to visit that space without being triggered by my traumas. I can remember the things that happen, but it's not a, a trigger where I kind of succumb to the horrors of the day. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yes. Oh my goodness. That is so inspiring to hear. I know myself personally, I have been through plenty of trauma and that is such an inspiration to hear that you don't allow your, your traumas to hold you back, but that you do hard things. I love that. And I love that you're raising your family to, to do the same thing. Would you share with us a little bit more about Corey's story and what has been the hardest part for you in all of this in processing? When Corey and I met, he was in the ROTC program. So he was studying to become an officer um, and he was actually in the Air Force ROTC. And then when he decided he wanted to be a chaplain, um, he was told that the Air Force didn't really need chaplains at that time. So he's like, okay, fine, I'll join the army. So then he joined the army and he enlisted. He himself had his own pornography and masturbation addiction as a, as a teenager and in his um, early adulthood. And um, having kind of overcome that, he had this really strong desire to help other people in the process. And then um, fast forward a few years, he had to go to basically what we call chaplain school. It's an army thing. It was, uh, I think it was a three month thing. They go away. You just learn all kinds of things about how to be a chaplain. And um, he was introduced to marriage and family therapy while he was there and um, found that he really had a love for it and kind of a natural knack. Um, he came home and said, instead of getting one master's, I want to get two. And that's what, you know, every wife wants to hear. Yay, more school. So <laughs> I was like, okay, sure. But also like, dang it, you know. Um, but uh, so he kept going through school and it was, it's just difficult and taxing to be married college students for years and years. And you, you know, kids started coming into the, our family and, um, for a time we were motel managers it was like a live-in position and so work and school and everything was all just right there and family and you were interrupted all the time and while it was like a really great job because we worked there uh, we could be home together while we worked and then um, 
Corey would do his school sometimes online and sometimes in person. And um, so it was like the best worst job, but it was hard still. And the whole process was just time consuming. And I felt like, well, when are we going to actually get to have this normal life? When are we actually going to be able to have the house with the backyard and the garage and, you know, those things that I felt like, oh, that's happiness, you know? And um, it was still years before we bought a house and finally we bought a house. And then, then all the other things start after that, right? It's, <laughs> it wasn't like that was the pinnacle and now everything is good to go. It's not like, and they lived happily ever after. That was just, you know, something else. And, uh, you know, so, and Corey was, uh, he was really good at what he did. And um, I, I, I knew from my end as, my vantage point of his wife, how much time and effort he put into his clients, um, the love that he felt for them. But that was the only side that I knew. I didn't know any of his clients or their stories or their names or, you know, anything. There'd be times sometime Corey would come home and be like, oh, I had a great session today with this couple, or today was a really hard day with this person. And, um, so that was all that I knew was his side of things, right? Um, every once in a while, we'd be out and about around things. We might run into somebody that he knew, but if he didn't actually introduce them to me, then I knew that they were a client. Like I just would kind of stand there and Corey can't say, hey, Mindy, this is so-and-so. I'm their therapist. You know, it has to come from the client. If the client in that moment chooses to be like, oh, hey, is this your wife? Well, I'm so-and-so, he's my therapist. Then I can interact, right? There's just like a secret, secrecy is not the right word, but you know, it just needs to be more private. And um, uh, so anyway, all I ever knew was his side. And after he died, um, I was so grateful for the clients that felt comfortable reaching out to me and sending me um, stories and messages and experiences and memories. Um, there's like multiple reasons as to why it meant so much to me. For one, I was super grateful that they felt comfortable in sharing a little bit of their story with me. That's just really, really special, right? Um, sexual addictions are not an easy thing to talk about. And so it's a vulnerable thing to even just say he was my therapist because with that one sentence comes all of this understanding of a little bit of what they have struggled with, right? Um, and, but there's no, like I'm not judging them. I just, I'm just grateful that they feel like they can be vulnerable with me. So there's been multiple reasons. I've been really grateful when they have felt like they could reach out to me. When they have shared experiences with Corey, I don't know anything about those experiences and they are not my memories and all I have now is memories so anytime anyone wants to share something with me especially when I know nothing about it I just love that mm. I have really appreciated um, even there's been a few clients that don't feel comfortable even signing their name but they want to tell me their story and that is 
perfectly fine with me too. And just really, really special. Like they have signed it as with their initials or um, sending it through um, a coworker of Corey's who then sends it to me and I just have their first name or, you know, something like that. Um, mm -hmm. It's just been really special. So I didn't realize how good he really was at what he did until, I mean, all these people started reaching out to me. I kind of like knew it. I kind of knew it, but it just means something different hearing from the other side of things. Um, so one thing that has been really hard is hearing people that I know Corey could help if he was still alive and having him not be around as there's been times where you just, oh, I wish I could talk to Corey about this or other people are like, I wish I could get his advice about this or um, the clients that he was like in the middle of working with them. He wasn't just pulled, pulled from our lives. He was pulled from all of his clients' lives. You know, they're in the middle of this treatment plan and it just had to stop. And, and um, you know, the clinic that he worked for was so great and just trying to match people with with new groups and new clients and or new therapists um they were great but it's still like you had that relationship with someone right and you shared so many really hard things and you're on this like momentum of, of maybe getting getting some healing and and then this big giant tree falls in your path you know so that has been a really that's been a hard thing um and that is a little bit of what kind of drove me to starting a nonprofit organization, which we can talk about later. But the, the hardest thing that I personally um, had to go through was delivering Jack. I was pregnant with our youngest boy, um, like seven-ish months pregnant. And so around six weeks later, um, after Corey died is when Jack was born. And um, those six weeks uh, were, I mean, just really, really brutal, mm. um, really brutal. There was just a lot of fear and anxiety about his future and our future as a family and my capability of being a mom. Um, I felt really, really guilty that our three other kids at least had some memories of their dad and pictures and videos and interactions. <clears throat> and Jack doesn't get any of that. And um, I was really, really worried that I wouldn't be able to love him, love Jack, because my heart was so... Uh, broken and I was so sad it sounds a little ludicrous to say it now because I love him so much you know I he's three and a really adventurous toddler that also drives me bananas because that's what toddlers do right but um but the thought of not loving him just sounds preposterous but 
I didn't, I didn't have that mental capacity. I didn't have that emotional capacity. I was just really focused on the pain that I felt and it seemed not possible. And what kind of life is that for a child? And then I felt guilty for even thinking that. It was just like this really vicious cycle, um, huge ups and downs and lots and lots and lots and lots of sobbing, mm. lots of tears. Um, God sent me the exact right people at the exact right time throughout those six weeks. Um, people that I needed to talk to, um, um, the midwives that I was working with, um, I even wanted, I wanted to just emotionally distance myself from the entire experience and just schedule a C-section so I didn't have to deal with anything. And um, I don't have any kind of a, a history of, of needing that. And C-sections are fine. I'm not, I'm not saying anything like that, but the purpose that I wanted was just to not be connected with the experience at all or to Jack. And um, so through, you know, the right therapist, the right doula, the right midwives, the right friends that stopped in. I mean, like all these people just kind of like happened to come into my path, happened in air quotes, right? Happened to come into my path at the right time that I needed them and um, was able to just, you know, be in the pain and experience the pain um, and move through the pain and the heartache. And um, the very first thing I said when Jack was born was, oh, I love him so much already. And that has just grown. Um, the capability of our hearts to be able to do that is not an accident. Amen. Um, I think that uh, as hard as the experience was to deliver a baby without my husband, right? And being so fresh after he died, you know, there was still just like pain and confusion from him dying. And now I have to like have a baby without him, you know? Um, and, uh, as hard as that experience was, I can look back now and see what a blessing it, having Jack in our lives has been because we laughed and learned to love, um, expand our hearts when they're broken. And it just doesn't really seem real that you can feel sadness and happiness simultaneously but that might be one of the biggest lessons of grief that I have noticed is so um it's it's not this or that I'm not happy or sad it's and it's together and um this duality of of emotions and and complexity of grief is um, it's actually really eye-opening to anybody's experience of whatever their grief or heartache is, is in. There's just, uh, 
you know, you can be heartbroken and joyful, you know, all at the same time. Yes. Oh my goodness. So much. Yes. I've been there and I can testify everything that you just said about the both and is absolutely true. Hey, Weather Channel community. So I realized that some of you were not here when I was battling cancer. And so you may not know the story behind our t-shirts, but just as I was finishing my first full year of chemotherapy, I was told that I would need a stem cell transplant. This was after I was already in remission, after I thought I was finished. I was so disheartened and honestly angry when I heard this news. I just wanted to be done. I didn't think that I had one more day of fighting left in me. I was so tired. I was tired of hospitals being away from my girls, tubes, lines, infusions, being poked and prodded, all of the things. And I begged God to give me endurance to continue fighting. I begged him to give me joy and to provide financially for our family as I continued to fight. And rarely have I heard God respond to my prayers immediately, almost audibly. But on this particular day, when I heard that I had to have a stem cell transplant, he did. And he whispered to me, I have and I will. I have been faithful and I will be faithful. And when you hear from the Lord, sometimes all you can do is mutter, mutter a very humble and quiet response. And my response to him was, you have and you will. And this phrase, you have and you will, became so meaningful and so powerful for me that we decided to put it on a t-shirt so that on the good, bad, and ugly days, I could literally clothe myself in truth that God has been faithful and that he will continue to be no matter how grim my circumstances looked. And today that shirt is on sale for others who need this same reminder. So if you want to grab a t-shirt, one of our tees or tanks, for yourself or for a friend or family member or as a group of friends championing someone else in need of this truth right now, you can do so on sale at alleychristian.com slash tease, or you can tap the link in the show notes. Hey, thank you for joining us today. I hope you're not falling for a lie that you could never be holy enough to respond to your situation as our guest today did. I know that's sometimes where my head goes when I hear stories of holy struggle, so can I remind you that you have everything you need to respond the same way? Jesus offers hope in our pain, and it usually only requires a perspective shift to notice it. So whether it's time in His Word, going for a walk through creation, or a heart-to-heart with a friend, this is your weekly reminder to take time to snatch that much-needed perspective shift. Thank you.